Welcome to the Thriving Authors Podcast, where we delve into all aspects of what it takes to get your dream book out of your heart, onto the page, and into the world, connecting with a wide audience of readers. I'm Dallas, and I don't just want you to be a published author. I want you to be a thriving author, confidently sharing your ideas, making an impact with your words, and owning your unique voice that deserves to be heard. I've spent the past two decades immersed in the publishing industry, building my career as a best-selling author of five books and counting. As a book coach, I have helped dozens of women birth their books and live their dreams. And here's what I know to be true. You deserve abundant creativity, a nurturing writing practice, and a supportive community that inspires and uplifts you through the ups and downs of the writing life. I want to help you write and publish your dream books that grow your audience, grow your business, and grow your legacy. On this podcast, you will find behind-the-scenes lessons from my own book writing and publishing journey interviews with successful published authors, and tips and advice you can start using today to move you forward in your writing life. You don't have to do this alone. Let's get started. Iris March is the pen name of my dear friend Maureen Wise, who is the author of The Broken Bridge, A Succulent Sleuth Cozy Mystery. She has a reputation for killing houseplants, and now she's killing people off in books? Coincidence? Perhaps not. Iris has spent two decades working in the sustainability field and is usually either reading a book or on a trail. She lives in Ohio with her husband, son, and three cats. Learn more about her upcoming books and sign up for her newsletter at irismarchbooks.com. I just had so much fun talking with Iris, aka Maureen, for this very special episode of the Thriving Authors Podcast. And I just was able to get a sneak peek at The Broken Bridge before it was published. And um, just really such an honor and such a treat to witness Iris slash Maureen um, bringing this book into the world um, to such acclaim. And so many readers are just really connecting with the characters and the storyline. And I particularly love talking with her about the ways in which she has brought her passions for uh, cozy mysteries, for plants, for sustainability, and all of that into her writing, into her novels. Um, I think it's just a wonderful example and permission for all of us to think about what we love in our lives outside of writing and is there a way to infuse more of that into our writing lives. So I know you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Iris Smart and um, look forward to sharing this episode with you. Enjoy. Well, Maureen, aka Iris March, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Dallas. So excited to be with you. I am so happy to have you here. I can't wait to talk about the broken bridge and um, eco tips and all sorts of good stuff with you. So maybe we can start out. I'm lucky enough to know you a little bit, but listeners who are just meeting you, can you share a little bit about how you first got into writing, your background as a writer, and kind of take us then we'll talk about the broken bridge, maybe kind of give us the backstory into what, what got you to the place to then write the broken bridge. Um, so I was a English major and a biology major in college. And I remember telling people in college, 
I'm definitely going to write a book someday. I don't know what it's going to be, but I will someday. And um, I've always been like the writer for every job I've had. I've written grant reports and grant applications and websites and newsletters and like thousands of things. Like I've just always been the writer and I now am a freelance writer for a lot of um, green leaning companies like eco-friendly stuff. Um, I've worked in higher ed sustainability and um, stream restoration. And now I'm a part-time professor and like I said, a, a freelance writer. So I'm always writing. I've always been writing. And right before I started my first book, there was a guy that I was talking to that I didn't realize he had written a book. And he and I was so excited that he wrote a book and was like, gosh, if he can write a book, I can write a book, you know? And um, and I mean, it's not like he's like a person that shouldn't be able to write a book, but he was just so normal, you know, yeah. like, so like, unassuming. It wasn't like in your face about being an author. So anyway, um, I will say that we're going to talk about, and there's another book they wrote first, um, a book about my sister just was very inspired by all the craziness going on in her life and knew that her story needed to be told. And so I wrote her story for a book that's not yet named. And then when I was writing this, I was, you know, researching how to write a book, you know, how to finish a book, how to, you know, all that stuff. And um, realized that like, I should be writing what I really like to read the most. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really like cozy mysteries. And so was, as I was writing my sister's book, her name is Meg. I was like kind of having these other characters in my head that I knew weren't going to fit in her story. And so Molly's story, my broken bridge um, main character, just like when I was on a run, I was either thinking about Meg's story or Molly's story. And so I knew they had to be separate. And I, um, I also wrote Molly to be someone, not like who I am at all, but someone who, um, is really good at plants and I'm really bad at plants. I kill plants. Like you can see behind me, this plant is going to die. It's, it's <laughs> not going to live. Um, and it's, it's sad. But so I knew I wanted someone who was really good at dealing with plants and I figured she should work at a garden center and have a cat. And yeah, it's just all kind of came to me, you know, like that's how, how stories, they just start out when you're not thinking about them, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love how, you know, you focused on, um, the genre that you most love reading. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's such great mm -hmm. advice. Like think about writing the book that you really want to read. Yeah. And I also love that it almost seems as you're telling this, that it's like you, you know, talked to that guy, but now that he was, a, that he written a book and it was almost like, you were kind of like, oh, I can do that too. You like gave yourself permission of, oh, I can yeah, do that yeah, too. Yeah. And then you yeah. got two book ideas that came to you, you know, mm -hmm. as you're going for a run. So it almost feels like giving yourself that permission is sort of the first step maybe. Yeah. I really think writing book, you got to just go for it. You know, you get, I don't think you need to know how it's going to end yet. You know, I just think it's the commitment to do it. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't really realize like, it, isn't, it doesn't have to take years. You know, it can take a few months. If you like keep at it, it's not going to take you forever. And I didn't realize that. I think yeah. I assume that you, you'd work on one book for years and years and no, that's not the case. Yeah, tell I mean, me about the case. Yeah, but getting it out doesn't have to take years and years. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me more about that. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about right. 
kind of like being obsessed with your book. Do you want to talk a little bit about just, I guess, your process and sort of how you were able to get it out and not take years and years? Right. So um, for both of these stories, you know, you get real excited at the beginning. You know, you're excited to get the people out on the page and you have like some scenes in your head and um, that everyone always calls it the murky middle where you're not really sure where things are going and you're not really as excited to do it. But um, I think that you need to be obsessed with your story to, to figure it out. Like you kind of need to be thinking about it almost all the time, not all the time, but you know, like when your mind is wandering, it's like one of the first things you're going to. And, um, I know that you and I, Dallas have in common that, uh, chocolate will get us to sit in the chair and, and write. And, um, I will say that I need like a really quiet time to sit and write. So sometimes it's like, 11 o'clock at night, like well after my kid's asleep or like he's at school and my husband is way at work, like not going to say anything to me. And, you know, if it's at night, gosh, I should really just go to bed. But, you know, I've got some chocolate covered almonds in my drawer. And if I sit down and write, I'm totally allowed to eat those chocolate covered almonds and I don't really eat them otherwise. So um, the chocolate sometimes will get me to sit down. Yes. Um, me too. Yeah. Me too. Sometimes you just need that little push to mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. like get you going. And then for you, do you find that once you get started, it's easier usually to keep going? Yeah, I think I know that I'll, I try to leave each writing session with like just an idea of what's going to happen next, like just something mm-hmm. um, like not necessarily like totally finish a scene or if I do I know what's going to happen next so that I have an idea what I'm going to start with next and so when I start it always yeah it always snowballs for sure that's great I love that tip I think I was just talking with um one of my coaching clients the other day about how it's different as writers than when we're reading a book I think it's so normal right you stop a reading session at a chapter break. Cause you're like, Oh, this is a great place to stop. I'll put my bookmark in and then I'll pick the book up. But like as a writer, if we stop at that place where then we don't really know what's yeah. going to happen next, it's yeah, so yeah, much yeah. harder to get started again. So I love what you're saying about kind of, you have a sense of when you sit down the next time, yeah, what's going to happen. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, I've only written two stories. There's I'm sure so many other amazing ideas, things to do, but that's what I've found has been most helpful to me. I think it's great um, advice. And I will say too that maybe like a, just a fourth of the way into the broken bridge, I started keeping a log of how many words I'd written each day, mm-hmm. which can be kind of intimidating and like maybe too much pressure for some people, but I know that in order to like not have zeros that really I really didn't want zeros on my log, right? So even if I was writing just like maybe like 200 words, it was enough to make sure there was there weren't zeros and the chocolate covered almonds helped too. So and that's a great point which is those 200 words add up over time. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think sometimes we tell ourselves, "Oh, I don't have time to sit down for like 3 hours and write." Mm-hmm. Or, "Oh, I can't bang out 2,000 words." Almost like 
then I, then what's the point? But over yeah, time, right. if you, if you write consistently, yeah. those, even those 200 words, 300 words, like it adds, it really does add mm-hmm. up quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say that part of the time that I was writing this book, I was like, so much was going on for me at work. I was teaching two classes, which I don't usually do. And one of them was a new class. So it was so much to, to start this new class. And like, it was like, virtual school for my kid. Like it was, a, there was a lot going on, but because I had this little log, I wrote something every day and that made me do it like accountability to myself. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, um, if anyone's listening, who is interested in writing a mystery, I would think that um, you know, just the plot is so important, especially mm. for a mystery. Do you want to talk a little bit um, about, I guess, your, your process, you described how the characters really came to you, like Molly and, um, the garden center, but do you Mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about, I guess, kind of planning out the, the book and what that was like for you? So in a cozy mystery, I mean, I don't think all other mysteries necessarily are very formulaic, but cozies are a little formulaic. So they're kind of, I don't want to say easier to read, but like you can figure out what you want to write or not read, write. They're easier to write than not. (laughs) Anyway, um, you need to have some red herrings, like people that you, you know, didn't do it, but the readers don't know yet, right? They're suspects to the characters. And and I knew who two of the, who those people were at the beginning. And I, and I had them in my mind before I even started. And you need, to have that in your mystery and some sort of twist at the end where like you know you didn't see that coming right and I and I did not have that at all in my story I knew something had to happen but I didn't know what it was and I kind of had an idea who the bad guy or bad lady was but I um wasn't fully formed in my head exactly who that person was and their motive, which is kind of bad. Like I probably should have had that better, but I knew I had my, the, my person that like something bad was going to happen to, and I knew what was going to happen to that person. Um, and so I think you have, you know, having at least parts of these in place is you guys, what you need to start a mystery. Right. And you need to have, you know, your main character, want to figure out what the problem is right like it can't just be like a minor motive like not really caring about the characters or like um I don't want to spoil stuff I guess but yeah you know like reasons for caring about stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well and I think that so that gives listeners some permission too as you're describing it that it sounds like I don't know what comes up for me is that it's like you had kind of guideposts in place, like you yeah, knew yeah. certain things, but it was okay that you didn't know everything. Like you just, you kind yeah. of got started and some of those things came to you as you were writing yeah. is that how it yeah. happened. Yeah. And I, I really, I'll say that's part of, I think when I, when I thought when you're going to write a book, you need to know what's going to happen. Right. And you have to be like super invested in, these characters, I want to be with these characters forever. And like, again, again, I thought it would take me like years and years. And I was going to like hate the characters by the end. But I love my characters. Like I want to spend more time with them. And I'm really excited to write another mystery with Molly in it. Not that I have yet, because I really have a hard time coming up with red herrings to mess her up on the next one. Um, And yeah, so yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's, I mean, 
I am also a character-driven writer where I just like that can be a great place to start. Like you're describing, if you come up with these characters that you genuinely want to spend time with, in addition mm-hmm. to the chocolate, that's like another nice kind of mm-hmm. motivating factor too, especially your main character that you're just really like wanting to spend some time in their head. Yeah. Um, you also in this book have woven in some of your other passion, which you brought up a little bit mentioned about sustainability mm-hmm. and like eco living. Do you want to share a little bit about that? And maybe we can even share some kind of eco friendly tips for listeners. Yeah. So Dallas, I will say that you really encouraged me a lot um, with this. I, I've always worked in sustainability. I work, like I said, stream restoration and then higher ed sustainability where we're trying to get the campus to make greener choices, help people, um, you know, mode shift, not, you know, ride their single occupancy car to work every day, but ride a bike or a bus or something. And, um, and whenever I'm writing anything, I always just throw that stuff in without even meaning to, right? Like, it's just who I am. And I was telling you, gosh, maybe I should take some of this out because I don't want to offend people, right? Like, sometimes <sighs> green living, you know, climate change can be very political, can be kind of divisive. And and you said, you know, do you, do you, isn't this who you are? Is it going to matter? I mean... Maybe I don't want the people that are going to be offended to be reading my book or like maybe this will help them not, you know, like kind of help them come to the greener side. Right. Like mm-hmm. if they're a cozy mystery re- reader that um, doesn't know anything about climate change, maybe this can help them think about it differently in like a you know different way. So um, I I Somali practices meatless Mondays where she doesn't eat her and her husband don't eat any meat on Mondays because, um, cows especially, but chicken and lamb and, um, not as much fish, but like, you know, meat has a lot bigger impact on the environment than eating plant-based food. Although plant-based food, sometimes like, you know, tofu and like the like fake chicken nuggets are a lot processed, but, um, they're not going to have as much impact on the environment. So she does meatless Mondays and I have a whole chapter where she's like thinking about things, but cooking at the same time um, and, and kind of thinking about meatless Monday. And then she composed part of her, you know, or her, her like uh, asparagus stubs, like, you know, she composts her food waste that she can compost. So um I just kind of wove it into the story. I wasn't trying to like beat anyone over the head with, you should also practice meatless Mondays. You know, you should be composting too. It's just what Molly does. And I'm not trying to like be offensive, but it is also what I do, you know? So, I mean, I, we, we're kind of semi-vegetarian. We don't think about, especially on Mondays, but we don't eat meat every day. So, Mm -hmm. but if you're getting into it, you can think about meatless Mondays. Yeah. I just love that, Maureen. And I think, um, I mean, I think there's so many great lessons there for listeners. I mean, I think one is thinking about what do you love? Like what's important mm-hmm, to you? What mm-hmm. are you passionate about? And and putting that into your characters, which for some writers might just, like you were saying, is it's hard to keep it out. Like it's just going to kind yeah. of come in. But what also comes up for me is this idea of 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 like fiction sometimes being a vehicle for sharing information for like normalizing certain behaviors. Like if we read about a character composting, we just might get more curious about it or it just seems like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I could do that too. 
So I just, I love that. And the way that you're talking about also like weaving it in. So it's part of who Molly is as a person, mm-hmm. as a character. It just is mm-hmm. very natural to her, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel to the reader. Like this is this information that's awkwardly being like put in. It's just who she is and what she does. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. a great thing for listeners to think about with their characters. Like you could think about what does your character believe in? Like what's important to your character and kind of weave that in too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I appreciate the encouragement that you told me to leave it in. And then I'm just, yeah, why, why would I have taken that out? You know, like, so I'm really, um, really happy that I left it in and added to it. Yes, for sure. Well, and I love that too, because I think it fits a lot with, um, so with your cozy mystery, you know, being, um, you want to talk a little bit about like the succulent sleuth. Like, I think you have, you know, you kind of have this, this eco um, vibe in, in the book yeah. as a whole. Yeah. You know, um, I think, and I wish I like wrote it down or something, but I think as I was writing Meg's book, that the succulent sleuth came to me before the story. Like mm. I knew that I needed to name something, the succulent sleuth. And I didn't think, I thought it was like too good of an, of an idea to just be one book. I thought it should be the whole series. So I think, um, when I was saying I wanted Molly to be good with plants, I think she had to be good with plants because she's the succulent sleuth. And she also doesn't want to be the succulent sleuth. Like she doesn't want people to call her that, but um, it just happens that way because she's like uncovering stories and always growing succulents. I love it. I love it so much. And I also love how, um, I mean, you're talking about with Molly, I think you created a character who was like you in some ways, but also has strengths that you like wish you had. I mean, I'm similar. Mm-hmm. I do not have a green thumb. I wish I did. Um, but it can be kind of fun sometimes to create characters who are different from us in certain ways and then similar yeah. in other ways. Yeah. Molly is like a lot more reluctant than I am. I think um, but I wanted her to be unsure in a lot of ways so that she would be really sure about some things. Mm-hmm. And um, like she's really uncomfortable in large crowds and I think that I'm now uncomfortable in large crowds because of COVID but yeah. when I started writing that I don't think I was uncomfortable <laughs> um, and so I think that she's not like the strong female lead that some people want to see because she's so like nervous and reluctant but like I said, I want her to, to be really sure about some things. And so when she is really sure, it's more of a contrast, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I like that sometimes having unexpected leads. Um, I think that can be fun as a reader, you know, to have yeah. certain traits that maybe go against our expectations. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit, uh, kind of moving from the writing process into your publishing journey? Do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your journey publishing, like the choices that you made and kind of all of that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I started with my sister's story and I had gone to a, um, writing conference and, um, sent a query to someone who I met there, like was thinking about, um, traditional publishing, I don't really exactly remember the whole timeline, but in the middle of that, um, ended up writing a nonfiction um, Christian living, green living devotional. And 
those that like again just like flew off my fingertips wrote it in like real quickly and um did query um, agents for that and found an agent rather quickly and we're still trying to find a publisher for that book two years later and so that has been very slow going um I still really believe in the project and my agent really believes in the project but it's just so frustrating how slow it is and we did for like a month think we had a publisher and that publisher you know six months ago was like oh it will be two years until this is in the world so it would have you know like three and a half years um that publisher has not decided to do it but so anyway I'm, I'm still sticking with um, traditional publishing for that project. But I, having come out of that was like, gosh, I don't want to wait this long for these other stories to be in the world. And also, like, I don't really want anyone to edit Meg's story. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what Meg's story is. And I don't want it to change. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to self-publish or, like, independently publish my sister's story and I just felt like happy enough with Molly's story, the succulent sleuth story, that I also didn't feel like I needed a traditional publish, uh, you know, um, process there. I just kind of, and I knew, like, honestly, I guess most cozy mysteries are self-published. Like, I guess 70% of them are. So I didn't feel like I needed a traditional publisher. And I will say also... Um, talking to you, I didn't realize until like a few months ago that you don't always need an agent to be um, traditionally published. That you can, that some publishers will accept queries from, or submissions, I guess, from authors. And that was not something I, I even knew you could do until I was like done writing both of those stories, which is kind of funny. Um, and I think I would like I would like to go that route with another story in the future, not a succulent sleuth story. Um, but I think that'd be cool. That'd be fun. Because um, I, I know that, you know, the self-published books are not necessarily going to have as big of a reach. You know, they're not going to get in bookstores unless I really push them into bookstores myself. Um and that's okay with these books. I don't I don't need the whole world to read them. I just want part of the world to read them. Um so that's that's my the choices I've made. And I, I know that it's different for everyone in every book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love how you get into, I mean, I think sometimes in the industry we get into the trap of thinking that there's like a perfect path to take for publication, but the reality is that there's trade-offs for for any choice that we make. And like you're describing, I mean, your traditional publishing can take a really long time Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of uncertainty there. And, um, with self-publishing, you also have more control over things like the cover and the design and the story and when it comes out. And so I think you, you pose some great questions for readers to be thinking about. I mean, Mm -hmm. for listeners to be thinking about, um, as far as publishing options, like I like to always ask people, why are you on a timeline? Like, yeah. And do you want control over certain aspects? Yeah, and right. then, um, and that there are some small publishers, like I've published with right. um, a few publishers that do accept submissions directly yeah. from authors. So that's always kind of a little hybrid option too. To mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I do, I, I really want to say that I really like my agent and I really am happy with 
traditionally publishing that book, but it is, it's taking a very long time. And I just was impatient with mm-hmm. the other books. Well, and, and that's just again, like so normal with that path. And like you're saying mm-hmm. to realize, I think a lot of people don't realize that you can sign a publishing deal tomorrow. And then, like you said, it could be two years from then yeah. until yeah. your book hits the shelves. And people yeah, actually, are like really surprised about that. Yeah. I think it was more than two years now that I'm thinking about it. It was going to be like two years and like three months before when I was having a meeting with them. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, a month later they decided not to do it. But so I don't know if it would even would have taken longer if, you know, had we gotten some snafus, right? Like mm-hmm. if we had disagreed on some things or something, it was like their perfect timeline would have yeah. been two years and a couple months. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. definitely, that's just very standard with um, mm-hmm. the traditional industry. And, so, and they were saying, this is so interesting to me, like when you self-publish or like independently publish, it's all like, um, print on demand, right? They are printed when people order them. But the uh, books that are traditionally published are, you know, printed in a different country and bound and then have to come over on a ship and then get distributed. And she, they were saying that that like shipping takes like a month just to get from one country to the next and then distributed. And then, you know, into the inventory and that, you know, like, that that takes a super long time. Whereas you just print it in a facility kind of near you, like in your country, and then they ship it. And it's there in like a few days, you know, mm-hmm. it's very different, a very different way of making the book. And that is a big difference. Yeah, that is. And I know there have been some, um, I have some author friends that have had traditional published books come out recently. And there have been some shipping delays where they've had mm-hmm. to actually right. um, delay their publication date, which is a whole other Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there definitely are pros and cons to either path and it's not, it's Mm -hmm. not about one being better than the other. It's just about Mm -hmm. choosing, like you're saying, what's, what do I want for this project and what's Mm -hmm. the best choice for this project? So Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well, we're almost at our time already. I just could chat with you like all day, but do you want to share, you've shared so many wonderful little little gems of of wisdom and and little pieces of advice, but do you have, um, Mm -hmm. do you have something I guess if there's someone listening who's just starting out or maybe someone who's kind of in that murky middle feeling discouraged, or if you want to think about, you know, yourself back when you were first starting to write your first book, like, do you have any, any words of advice or something that's kind of sustained you along the ups and downs of the journey that you wanted to share? Um, you know, again, I think that writing a book is not unattainable. And I really think I used to think that. I used to think that um, it takes an insurmountable amount of dedication and it just takes some dedication, not insurmountable, you know, like just some dedication. And the murky middle, you can get through it, right? It's, it eat some chocolate, it'll be okay. (laughs) And, um, And also I think some people, like they, they put too much pressure on themselves and your book doesn't have to be, you know, the next most amazing bestseller, but it's your book, right? It's your story and you get to make the decision. So, I mean, unless, you know, you have a agent and editor, you know, those people help you, help you make the decisions. But, um, I just, I encourage people that are writers to, to go for it. Mm. And to to not put too much pressure on themselves. 
I love that. I think that's so freeing and just gives listeners a lot of permission. Um, mm-hmm. Get to kind of enjoy the journey a little bit. Eat that chocolate. It's going to yeah, be right. okay. Eat the mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, Maureen slash Irish March, um, yeah. how can listeners find you, find your books, follow you, all of that good stuff? So I have a, a website, irismarch.com. Oh, no, irismarchbooks.com. Not just Iris March. And, um, I do have a newsletter and Instagram and Facebook, and I share a few times a week on Instagram, what I'm reading and, you know, some stuff about, um, how writing the book, publishing books been going. Um, this, you know, I, as it's coming out, have lots more to share, but, um, we'll be continuing to share, uh, ideas and the stories as, as I go along. And, you know, I, I'm a reader and love to read this more, certainly read more than I write. So sharing lots of what I read. That's wonderful. Well, I will, um, I will link all of those. So Iris March books and your social handles and Mm -hmm. yeah, I would, it's a, it's an exciting time if for Mm -hmm. listeners to uh, subscribe to your newsletter and follow you, because like you said, you're kind of giving us a lot of behind the scenes and updates on your books being out in the world. So it's an exciting time to to start following you. Thank you so much for talking with me. Um, I love your book so much and I can't wait to be shouting about them when they're available. Um, I just, I love talking with you about writing. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with me today. Please hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. And I would love for you to join me in my free Facebook group. It's called Book Breakthrough Community, and it's full of other heart-centered writers sharing resources and supporting each other. We discuss the podcast episodes. I regularly go live with free challenges, and you may even meet your new writing partner to swap pages with. Join us on Facebook at Book Breakthrough Community. And you can always reach out to me personally at Dallas Woodburn Author on Facebook and Instagram. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast and your ideas for new episodes. Until next time, happy writing.